Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama Podcast. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Latch Mama Podcast is a podcast for mothers and caretakers in the trenches of motherhood. Today, we have our favorite guests back with us. We have Megan and Riley, who are joining us um, to talk all about our pelvic floor. You're listening to the Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves for people who don't listen every week to the podcast? Sure. My name is Riley Cash. I am... Spelled really cool. Spelled very cool. Thanks, mom. Um, I am a (laughs) pelvic floor PT. Um... What else do you want to know? I just got married like Yay. two weeks ago. That's amazing. Yes. Here. Excitement. Yeah, we eloped. Um, wow. We're called like a micro wedding. It's just our like immediate family. That's amazing. Um, it was fabulous. And we planned it all in two weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, it can be done. Um, what How long have you guys been together? Um, dating three years, married 10 days. <laughs> How is that? Is it all you dreamed of and more? Um, it was so nice. Only regret is not planning a honeymoon immediately afterwards. Yeah. Are you going to go away still? Um, maybe. Okay. One like day. That. Okay. Yeah. All right. In the Eventually works. she will. Eventually we will. We just don't have yeah, of course. time right now, but yes. Yep. Need paid time off to do that. Yeah. 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 Some PTO. Tiny problem. Um, yeah. My name is Megan Swank. I've been here. I don't know how many times. Three or four. Three, three or four. Um, and I'm a physical therapist going on about 16 years in practice and Riley and I have been a team for almost two years. Yeah. We just passed our over, two year, yeah, over two years. friend anniversary. Right. So I love it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so lots you guys of exciting things going on. Specialize. So we specialize in pelvic floor physical therapy or pelvic health physical therapy or women's health physical therapy or whatever terms you're hearing out in the world, uh, related to pelvic. That's what we do. Can we just introduce this concept to people who have never heard of it before? I mean, I think it's definitely growing, but I also think that there are some people who absolutely have no idea that people like you all exist in this world um, and would love you guys. So a lot of learning to do. Yes. And I would say that the practice is like evolving quite a bit Mm -hmm. too. So I think that's one of the things that makes it challenging. It's like a moving target of understanding what we do. So, um, Riley can explain what types of patients we see. Oh, we see what I always explain to people when they come for their first appointment is that we are physical therapists who have specialty training in um, things of the pelvis that can be bladder issues, bowel issues, um, intercourse related issues, postpartum, actual preg during pregnancy, um, things like that, pretty much anything in the um, pelvis or the area surrounding. And we, um, work to make those things better awesome is that a good job is that a good description yeah and i think it's to make it clear the the you know the thing that really seems to be coming out of the woodwork in the last couple years is that for folks who are maybe not female Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as a gender we still take care of those patients as Mm -hmm. as a as a profession and so we want people to know that males have therapists available too and mm-hmm. um any gender whatever you decide is your gender mm-hmm. we will treat that gender yeah so transgender is appropriate for pelvic health not all yeah. pelvic health therapists have training to treat 
male pelvic floor therapy or transgender. So or you pediatrics. just have to find, correct. Pediatrics is part of it too. But I think just encompassing all genders is the big push in the last several years. And that is the reason that they changed the name. Um, the association changed the practice of women's health to pelvic health. So that name reflects a change in practice, which yeah, is great. Cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Um, so for the first time ever, we sourced some questions before you guys came to help us. Um, normally, when you all come, we're all over the place because I ask my questions and then we just go on these little tangents. So we're going to try and actually get some real questions answered. Is that love- OK? Yeah, Can we, we start it. there. OK. Lindy, do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. Number one. Um, what would your recommendations be for pregnancy and especially for labor and delivery after a prolapse? So I guess we're talking about a prolapse. So maybe we need some background on, on what, a prolapse what that is, is and, and what type yeah. of prolapse. Yeah. A prolapse is a general term for an organ in your pelvis that has come down from its anatomical position or most people will say dropped or is dropping or is it's coming out of their body or it feels like it's coming out of their body. But the anatomical phrase would be that it's dropping down from its anatomical position. So it means something is sagging down that shouldn't be. And some typical so, prolapses yep. that we can see yep. after so, Yeah, the types or, of prolapses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if the bladder comes down, there's a bladder prolapse. You can have the, the uterus can sag down. The rectum can have a bulging. You can have your intestines kind of bulging down. That's a little bit less common. So the big ones are usually like bowels. Uh, so the rectum itself, um, which is called a rectocele, if people are hearing these words. The bladder is a cystocele. And then um, the uterus can can come down. Or if you don't have a uterus, your actual, what they call the vaginal vault, can sort of come down, like fold in on itself a little bit. So I would assume for people who have never experienced that before or don't have a care provider that they feel like they can talk to, I assume that they will sometimes show up to you in somewhat of an alarmed state. Like what is, like if I had a bladder prolapse, I think that I would be scared. I wouldn't know that it was my bladder I was feeling or can mm-hmm. you feel that? I don't know. Yeah, don't there is a level like of, idiot, con- but there, yeah, I'm sure that yeah. there's probably like just to normalize. Like what I love when you guys come is that we start normalizing these things that could be experienced by people who are listening to this and they have they're terrified. They have no idea right. what's happening with their body. Right. And there are some statistics about prolapse. And so of, of women who have birthed a child, about half of them may have a prolapse throughout their life. It's quite a significant number. So just thinking about it from that perspective, it's like, okay, probably several people you know do have or will have a prolapse. So it's not a, it's not a life sentence in any way, shape, or form. And there are grades of prolapse, which help us That's decide what, what to do. just going to ask. I was yeah. like, you know, forgive me for not knowing, but when I think prolapse, I think almost like an emergency type situation to where something has happened and I don't know, there's some sort of surgery or very quick action, but then I'm thinking maybe there are, you know, levels of severity where a client may come for something else and may actually find out that they have mm-hmm. some sort of other level of a prolapse of some yes. sort. Is that the case sometimes? Yes, that is the case. Uh, okay. Riley, you want to talk about yep. different levels and what that yeah, means? Yeah, definitely. There, so there's four like grades or stages of prolapse. Um, and basically it would be like measured, you do like a, the person would, um, do an exam and they, you know, determine what grade and what type of prolapse you have. Um, and it's certainly like Megan said, like not a, you know, not a 
uh, life, sentence. life sentence or something <laughs> like that. Like globally, people come in most of the time in our world right now. I think people are a little bit aware of that most of the time. Um, but if they're not, it's okay. Um, the, um, what was I going to say? Most of the time people will say if like prolapse is their chief complaint, they'll complain of pressure and heaviness okay. and say there just feels like there's something in my pelvis that maybe feels like a tampon that's not all the way in or just something's not quite right. Or when they're showering or going to the bathroom, they just sort of feel something. Um, that would be more on the like mild to moderate side of things. If something is severe, you can feel and see it coming out of the um, wherever it may be coming out of. And those are definitely more things that are, you know, we're talking about a surgery or something like that. Um, but more of the mild to moderate cases, um, like a grade one or grade two prolapse actually do really well with physical therapy or, um, more conservative managements of things like pessaries, which we have a few examples of. You guys brought toys. We brought toys. We did did because Uh, one of the questions asked about this. So, as far as like PT can do a lot to help strengthen muscles, but sometimes people need a little extra support. So this is an example of a device. It's basically what we would call an orthotic for your pelvis. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like if your foot needed more structure, we'd mm-hmm. say put some inserts in your shoe that will give you more structure and more function. Same thing. And so you put it, it's, there's a way to fold these up and put them in and we don't teach or fit this, but this is something that could be done by a physician. And so you take it and you kind of fold it up and you put it inside the body and it expands in a way that gives support. So if the vagina is falling down or an organ is pressing on it, it kind of presses those walls back up. And so it creates a space and they don't hurt. They shouldn't hurt and they shouldn't stop you from being able to go to the bathroom or anything like that. So, so there's like a forever thing or does no, your body no. adjust and start to strengthen back up? Or? So that's very individual, actually. Okay. So mm-hmm. some people will use these, particularly in a postpartum patient. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about postpartum, because that's the question was kind of asking about that. Postpartum, you know, if you're breastfeeding, your tissues are not the same as they wouldn't as they mm-hmm. would be if you weren't breastfeeding. Yep. And so we have to consider some of that. And there's a healing process and, the, you know, things got stretched, especially if you had a vaginal delivery. You know, so we're, we're kind of like watching that timeline. So if someone is wearing a, using a prolapse after having a baby, usually up to about a year or so, they're going to be doing something like this with if they have a prolapse to make sure that they're supporting the organ while their body is healing and so that that issue doesn't get worse. And so it allows them to feel a little bit more normal. They can come to PT also and do strengthening exercises. And th- and that's one of the ways to kind of mitigate some of the symptoms. So they could learn how to put it in and take it out and do it at home. Mm-hmm. Which means if you're on your feet, like a physical therapist mm-hmm. or a nurse or a physician or somebody like that, um, or you're just a parent, yeah, um, exactly. You're just <laughs> laundry anyone around. in the world. <laughs> yeah, you know, need to go to Walmart and go to Target and go yeah. to do all the things. Yeah. Go to the grocery store, take care of the kids, and you literally never sit down. You're probably on your feet all day, and so these can be really helpful as far as like days on your feet. So maybe you know some people do fine for a day or two, but then it'll be like, yeah, man, those three days in a row, mm-hmm. um, they just really wear me down, and I feel heavy and. I'm dragging. And so they might decide not to wear it for two days out of the week, but then wear it for a couple. So you, you, you can, you can piecemeal this together with lots of Those, other, yeah. both the same thing. These are different, like okay. they're different shapes. This one has this little grippy horn. So it goes up this way and Got then it. you can grab it and twist it and okay. pull it out. Okay. This one, you have to fold it. Seems like a diaphragm. Kind of, yeah, it does. And they come in like various sizes. Like I think this one here is is a little bit, is a more like medium to large size. They Mm -hmm. do get quite a bit larger depending upon 
upon the amount of support that a person needs. Lots of shapes. Yeah. This is a two inch. This one says three and three quarters. It's fascinating. Yeah. So I, I equate, I talk, equate them to sometimes people say, you know, am I going to, am I supposed to take that thing in or out? Like, or do I leave it in? Yeah. Some people will leave it in for a long time. They'll come mm-hmm. back to the, because they can't reach or mm-hmm. there's a mobility issue. So they'll leave it in for three months, at three a months time, at a yeah. time. They come back to the doctor's office. They take it out. They clean it, make sure your skin's okay. And they pop it right back in. Sometimes people take it in situationally. I yeah. tell people it's almost like dentures. Like you have to mm-hmm. put it in at the beginning of the day. And then yep. at the end of the day, you take it out. Yeah. Yeah. Go about your day. Um, I think sometimes a really, really fabulous tool. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah. Also, they should not be in when you have intercourse. So you have to be able to take yeah. it out take if it you're out. sexually active okay. and want to be able to take it out and put it in. So I was reading that question again. And I also thought from a perspective of saying recommendations for pregnancy and especially labor after a prolapse. So like, is this possibly maybe a second pregnancy? And maybe sure. with that potentially be part of support pregnancy through pregnancy, through pregnancy. Yes. And then after experiencing yes potential prolapse from a first child or yes a second child so the answer to okay. that is yeah. yes i just said they that could use times. that <laughs> yeah so yes yeah. if you have had a prolapse with a previous pregnancy and then you go to deliver a second time i assume that we're going to be discussing with our care provider that hey i had a prolapse last pregnancy like are there ways i would assume that there are positions that you can deliver in that would be gentler but then again it's really just the pressure right of the baby it's not is the prolapse happening i guess it can happen whenever it's not really uh, just when it's pushing it's this is one of those yeah situational things things. yeah yeah, situations where if you want to be totally um preventative of worsening you would opt for a c-section which is not a normal recommendation. A prolapse is not usually a reason to have a C-section, but different providers do things different ways. Mm -hmm. And if a patient is is insisting on that um, and they really are concerned about worsening or there's some other medical reason, Mm -hmm. uh, obstetrical reason usually, then that might be appropriate, but certainly that wouldn't be our decision. Yeah. But you know, most, most uh, Mm non-instrumented, you know, goals of, of having a vaginal delivery or using gravity to your benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm going to be in a squat. I'm going to hold on to this bar. I'm going to do these deep breaths. And while that's great for that reason, Mm -hmm. it may be putting some pressure on a prolapse. Yeah. It is a very tricky situation. Unfortunately. Did a little bit of research. Oh wow! I um, love you guys, <laughs> you all are amazing. Um, on basically like what are some like risk factors like when giving birth or afterwards to say like okay, um, this article is called pregnancy, labor, and delivery as risk factors for pelvic organ prolapse. So basically, the couple of strongest links between pelvic organ prolapse and delivery are a vaginal birth. Um, particularly a first vaginal delivery and a forceps vaginal delivery um, would be the, according to this study, which is from 2020. Um, And then interestingly, another article, um, risk factors, so sort of things just in general. So risk factors for primary pelvic organ prolapse and prolapse recurrence, vaginal delivery, how many times you've been pregnant, birth weight of baby does not specify low or high i would imagine high (laughs) i would imagine high too um (laughs) age of mom body mass index of mom 
levator defect, which is essentially um, the muscles of the pelvic floor called um, the <laughs> levator <laughs> ani. Um, so essentially, uh, an, so sort of an imperfection. Right. Um, it's the, it's this area. It's this area. Where are Having, you right now looking at the human So this body. would be okay. a pelvic yep. position, like okay. a, a pelvic exam position on your back. Okay. And so this would be where the, this is the opening. So the vaginal opening is yep. here. And so that area, when this area is open or more stretched open, you can, you can measure that. There's a bunch of mm. measurements you can do with just a tape measure, really. Yeah. And those are the risk factors. Really yeah. fascinating. So, yeah. so, I mean, it, it is uh, challenging because if you're trying to do things sort of more naturally and trying to avoid, um, you know, instrumentation and things like that, it, I mean, childbirth can be really tricky and you can make a plan and then it can all just it fall yeah. apart in the moment of a concern for a, a baby and things yeah, like that the name or of a safety. mother. Right. And so it gets this, this is where we end up having the conversation mm -hmm. after all this happens with the patient. And these are not modifiable things once they're in your office. And they said, well, I did have a vaginal delivery and I did have a big baby and I did have forceps. We can't change any of that at Absolutely. that moment. And so that can be, um, an adjustment in mm -hmm. how we think about what we're going to do and, and just, letting the person kind of grieve that a little bit. There's mm -hmm. a lot, there's a lot of that happening. Yeah, totally. um, so we do that first and then we talk about how to fix it. Yeah. What we can do to manage it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I mean, so some patients are severe enough if, uh, that we do refer them to back to the doctor, but if they're coming to us, usually they're appropriate for physical therapy yeah. services. Mm -hmm. It's just so awesome that there are people like you in this world too greet women on the other side of whatever has oh, yeah. happened which I, is and fantastic. i love working with prolapse patients with prolapse i think they're fun it's a lot of just like sort of figuring things out most of the time they come in nervous and mm -hmm. you know it's 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 okay it's not a big deal honestly um I, it seems it can seem like a big deal and i i recognize that but it's okay we can work through it yeah ready okay number three is how long after a pregnancy would pelvic floor therapy work so I don't maybe they're asking when I should start or how long would I continue I for? Think, hey, yeah, it sounded like the person or had been several later. years mm -hmm. since they had children or mm -hmm. had a, a problem and hadn't done anything about yeah. it. Is it too late was sort of the question. Yeah, there, there you go. It's never too late. Never too late. It's never too late. My favorite patients are in their 90s. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, my I, I feel like it's being so, it's being talked about so much more. It's being normalized so much more. And I think there's probably a slew of women who had no idea that it even existed or wasn't available to them. Mm -hmm. And they all probably had babies too, you know? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, there is uh, there is definitely a group of women uh, post who are postpartum. Mm -hmm. I feel like once you're postpartum, you're always postpartum. So yep. postpartum mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. who are in their like 40s to 60s right now and they come into the clinic and they learn all this great stuff. They're eating up all this information and they want to know everything. And we talk to them about it. And I, I scale back to if you were early postpartum, I'd be doing the same things. And so we're sort of sometimes treating these patients like they are early postpartum because they never got that care. Care. And the patients are so thankful, but also say, how come nobody told me all this? And it's like, well, the practice has changed. We didn't know mm -hmm. everything. So we, kn you know, all the things we know now, we didn't know then. And so we do that conversation as well. But it, but they are the ones who are recognizing that there's been a huge gap and um, seem really frustrated. And, you know, my advice is just go back and talk to your provider and encourage them to 
send more patients now and, and try to get that trend of sending the, the patients who are early postpartum or even mm-hmm. during the pregnancies so that mm-hmm. they have a good preparation. Yeah, so the, it's a trend right now. That fourth trimester mm-hmm. uh, is the phrase that's being used, and, and that's that's great. I yeah. mean, I think that we're working on that too, and mm-hmm. I think it's a, in some ways a very much a grassroots effort. Because mm-hmm. in some countries, it's just standard procedure, right? Oh, yeah. Correct. Correct. Particularly in France. Uh-huh. Um, they have, I don't exactly know how their healthcare system or insurance or whatever is all set up, but they, as part of the your pregnancy delivery thing, you get 10 visits with a wow. um, pelvic PT or... Um, they have a, sometimes it's nursing in different countries. They mm-hmm. do it a little bit differently. We'll have 10 visits of like pelvic floor care of some kind. Um, Australia, physio, a, physio, a, physio, a physio, a continence nurse is what yes. they sometimes call yes. them. But wow. someone who's skilled in the management yeah. of Australia, it's really, um, yeah, the Australian, yes, the Aussies have a lot. Poor, it's like, it's fascinating. And, and uh, in the United you know what? The United what? States is, I know, a yeah. little bit behind. behind, but it's like, crying out loud but you know what's so vaginas com- and pelvises and we're all human beings yeah. what's so comforting in that is should we as new moms in the media postpartum be able Move to have to the time have the resources uh-huh. whether it's the insurance to cover it or anything like that but if you don't because i know as a mom of immediate postpartum of like mm-hmm. six like i did not have time to get there to be right. honest i think but i tried. tried i remember I tried. when you first started I got working paperwork. here you were like I'm going to go. And I was like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going I to the gym. I don't remember where I went. Because we weren't that close yet. And she's like, I'm going to the gym. And I'm like, you're going where? <laughs> no, it and wasn't she the gym. Back. No, listen. Listen, oh, okay, listen. Hold she hold comes hold back. Hold and I'm like, you went to the gym? And she like had these pamphlets with her. And she's like, I mean, not really. But, you know, I think I got to do some work down there or whatever. But it was so far away. <laughs> but you were like, gym? I got these exercises. And I'm like, are we this close yet? Because, I mean, it was five years <laughs> ago. Listen, listen, it was five years ago. And it was the workplace, second of all. Third of all, it wasn't, like, I feel like we've come a long way. Or maybe I've just come a long way about talking about things like this now. No, I, I think don't we've know. both come a long way. But it was way. really but cool. I, I was I so proud of you for, like, going and trying yeah. to do that. But then you stopped because oh, it was I'm too far away. Oh, I'm still a hot mess. But what I'm saying is how comforting that is because hopefully soon my though. kids will be older. And I, I, I can come to you as a... 50-year-old lady getting my parts fixed <laughs> do yeah. some work but that's comforting because i do think there are some things medically where you miss that you may you miss the and time it's and probably you can't easier when you're younger because your tissues are more pliable so you're telling things. me it's gonna be really hard no okay. i'm not telling you it's gonna no, be really no it hard. will be lindy was like a d1 I, athlete when she no. goes she will she will be there as much as you will see her and she no. will work until she wins but yeah no i'll have some you work will, but it's just nice to hear that you do get you know, women of all ages. And we do. Oh, we you certainly can, do. You can progress because no matter what. Because does the are. incontinence thing get a little bit worse-ish With- as you get older, too? Like, are there certain, like, are we... You always yes. look at me and I never say the right words and then I feel terrible <laughs> like, and then the people are going to make fun. I'm of just me. trying to figure no. out what you're okay, trying to I ask. Guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, does you, it get don't, worse? you don't fix... Like yeah. the postpartum stuff. And then you get older. And then there's also bladder stuff that gets right. in play. And so what happens to people like Lindy if she comes in like 20 years <laughs> is she might have more than one thing going on. Then she might say, well, I had a little bit of leakage and I had some stress incontinence. Maybe I have a little prolapse. I'm not really sure. But I also have this other thing. And so it might just be 
you know, a list of things instead mm-hmm. of like a thing. Mm-hmm. And because that we, is as we age, okay too. Muscles. Though that's okay. As we age, I think the biggest thing that really changes as we get into like the later fourth, fifth decade of life is mm-hmm. that we go through menopause, and then the hormones really change. Yeah. And that's then what I was going sometimes for. that is the problem. It's yeah. honestly, and that truly is the so problem. Do it before yeah. the change. Yeah. Seriously, <laughs> uh, it does. It makes a big impact. And a lot so, of times, yes. If you're not set up before that for success, it is a harder. It's mm-hmm. a bigger transition. There's other things that can happen that are like new fun things. Mm-hmm. So before yeah. menopause, a lot of times, um, okay. women in their like early 60s or something will say, "Why is this happening now? Like, why now as opposed to you know five years ago or mm-hmm. two years ago?" And I. And I feel like it's really, it's the, the time away from hormones, estrogen and all of that mm-hmm. happening yeah. is that estrogen has really tanked. And now it's like, now it's two years without that, four years, 10 years, whatever. And then you start to, things that were sort of there start to yeah. rear their ugly little heads a little bit more. Yes. Um, and I think that that's really what the factor is. So moral of the story is get there before menopause, hopefully. If you can. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like it. That's a really good tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> it also, I think it's really helpful to consider when you go for just an evaluation, mm-hmm. you should, as a patient, be able to say, here's the time I'm, I have that I can give to this thing. This is a big topic for me and it's a brand new world. Um, start me with just some basic, you know, what are things I can integrate into my life? Give me the educational components. How can I think about using my muscles appropriately for emptying my bladder because you're going to go pee every day, hopefully several times a day. So at least you're, you know, getting an awareness of the muscles. Maybe you don't do anything else. And then you go back in a couple months and you're like, okay, I've got that. Give me another thing. And so you don't have to do everything all at once. I think that's a really helpful thing too, because when you're busy and you have lots of children or you have a busy lifestyle, it is really hard to find time. And I do think that physical therapy in general, not necessarily pelvic health PT, but PTs in general, I think we love to give exercises, but sometimes people have 45 minutes of exercise. I don't give anybody 45 minutes of exercise because they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. And so we have to be really realistic, but, but that's where you, you know, you come in and we say, let me meet mm-hmm. that patient where they're at. So that should be your, whoever your provider is, is like, okay, I can work with whatever you give me. It's not just like, here's all the stuff. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you can do all that on your own. That doesn't right. really make sense. It makes sense. Plus your brain is like some of the time present. If you have a million things going on mm-hmm. and kids and you're breastfeeding mm-hmm. or you're pregnant or whatever, you, you, that's a lot on you. Okay. So I think it's good to, Remember that. Yeah. Pause and think about it for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one. I had a C-section with my twins and my, see, this is where, tell me how to read that correctly. It's (laughs) diastasis. Is this diastasis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just never know how to say it. Gap grew two inches. Is this common with a C-section or just from twins? So there's one question and then there's a second one. So we won't just do that one. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Okay. Hold on. All right. Hold on. We gotta <laughs> we gotta dive into it. You gotta you got I really hope people go back and listen to previous episodes. But can we define that term? Because that I'm not gonna say it because I'm not gonna say it right once again. Uh-huh. See, but can too. we define it? Because it is one of those. So I'm gonna tell that you that you're not gonna be up. wrong if you say diastasis okay. or diastasis. You're gonna hear both of those in the professional okay. world. What which so, one do you go with? DRA. <laughs> I love okay. It. I love it. <laughs> 
diastasis rectus abdominis okay. is DRA. So D-R-A. if you want to just say DRA, D-R-A. or DR if you want. Easier. Yeah. Um, okay. Can, go ahead. can we define that? And because I'm sure people have heard yeah. that term. Yep. So it's a split of the abdominal muscles from the midline out to the sides. And it's sort of like curtains open is what happens. So it's the most outer layer of your abdominal muscles that split or, or really overstretched. They don't actually split. A split would be like a tearing and would actually create like a hernia. We're not talking about a hernia. We're talking about a stretching of connective tissue. So it thins the lining of your connective tissue there in the midline and it creates this window of opportunity really. So you have like more squishy in the middle and then the muscle bellies are sort of out to the sides. So like we were talking about curtains kind of opening. Um, It's not really dangerous necessarily. Do you have people come up? It is aesthetic and cosmetic for a lot of people, but there can be functional relationships to like back pain or pelvic pain. And so we would be looking at, is there a relationship between the abdominal wall function and other things like balance or, you know, being able to do a squat or pick up something or lift their leg under a load. So we do, we have functional tests that we do in the clinic to see where that DR, you know, kind of manifests. Where do we see it? Is there a pressure that pushes out of that midline? Because we don't want to make that worse. Um, that area of the trunk is for is for stabilization. And so it's part of where your core is located. So we, when, when someone says to you, contract your core, that's the muscle, one of the muscle groups that needs to be able to activate correctly. And underneath that layer needs to be able to activate correctly so that you don't get like a bulging or a pushing out when you do an activity or you cough or you sneeze or something like that. It's almost like a prolapse of your abdominal wall in a way, that bulging kind of thing. Okay. So it's a lack of stability and it's not necessarily specific to C-sections. That was sort of one of the part of the questions. It does, Mm -hmm. it just has to do a lot with pregnancy itself and certainly having twins, especially if you went full term, you're stretching the abdominal wall probably more than you would with a single pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So that's usually related. Okay. Yeah. Her second part of the question is asking about, are there any wraps that you would recommend postpartum? So I don't think it's truly connected, but maybe it is. I think she's just looking for some extra support in those immediate Well, you months. can, so you can wrap or use an, an elastic um, corseting type item to help close a diastasis early after pregnancy. If it's going to do some natural closing, it's going to usually be in the first eight weeks. And then after that, not as much usually, which is one of the reasons people come and see us. Um, but you for pain, you can use a support. For diastasis, you can use a support. Um, I don't have any special brands. Do you have any that you recommend? I don't. Like yeah. sometimes they'll give you, um, I don't, I've never given birth, so I don't actually know, but I hear patients tell me that they, they gave me this corset thing afterwards so i don't know what i'm supposed to do with it what do i do with this um it's an abdominal binder yeah they're like here here's a treat yeah the, the binders that have um the velcro mm-hmm. i like those better than like a hook type yep. situation and the one what you want to do if you're going to buy one or f- look for one is you want to get one that i mean assuming that you're mm-hmm. thinking you're going to get a little bit smaller over time most people from the time they give birth are going to mm-hmm. shrink a little bit and so you want to get one that has the ability for you to size down so you get it a little bit bigger than at the start and that it has the ability to like wrap it around a little bit more and the, the you want one that you know basically goes 
it's not so tall that when you sit, it like rolls up down and things like that. But, uh, but just a regular elasticy, you can find these online. They're on Amazon. Yeah, they're on Amazon. There's, there's some yeah. other postpartum, you know, companies mm-hmm. online. I wore them at the end of my pregnancy for my mm-hmm. last two, because I think what was happening was I was having contractions and they were going out instead of down because all of the muscles were Ooh. different. So it feel? was just, well, I mean, it was fine. It was just a lot of prodromal labor that could have actually been probably making more of a difference because all of the muscles were, because it was baby number five and six. But they worked really well at the end of pregnancy. And then while I was in labor, my midwife had me wear mm. them. So it really does offer the support um, that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Just Sometimes you just need a little so. external support and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Some people do wear them during pregnancy too for mm-hmm. prevent prevent prevention of diastasis, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I don't Talk know to that care the provider. research really shows yeah. that that prevents it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it can be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, last one says my OB said finding a pelvic floor therapist that accepts insurance would be challenging. Any thoughts on this? I just, I just. I mean, it's just really hard that the question wasn't like, I'm having a hard time finding mm-hmm. a pelvic floor therapist that accepts That's my okay. insurance. That's okay. I think it's, it's a valid, it's mm-hmm. a valid question because mm-hmm. there's a lot of providers who are creating like cash-based practices mm-hmm. and, and you know, sort of niche practices and that's great but not everyone can afford to do that. Certainly. I think there are, um, there not only is like the pelvis and the pelvic floor like big in the world of people who are non-PTs. It's also very big in the world of people who are PTs. So there's a lot of interest in students and trying to have more pelvic um, therapists. Um, so where was I going with that? I think the insurance coverage of physical therapy is the same regardless of what type of physical therapy it is. So that is not a barrier because it's the same everything we just happen to specialize physical therapy evaluation is physical therapy evaluation regardless if it's for your knee or your pelvis it doesn't matter um where you find a pelvic pt is i think sometimes a challenge most hospital systems have um at least one pelvic pt um i would imagine definitely in our area um and for sure and you know big cities and stuff like that i think when you get more rural it gets a little bit more challenging definitely um but there are definitely like if you on um, the professional organization for physical therapy is the American Physical Therapy Association or the APTA. Um, if you Google APTA PT locator or is it APTA? I think you'd want to go to the Academy Women's of Health. Pelvic Health yeah, yeah, yeah. site and there is a PT locator on mm-hmm. there. And when you go to the site and you pop it in people have to put themselves as a listing Mm -hmm. but at least you could find a listing of people in your zip code or or in your your region yeah there's also another one called pelvic rehab which is a website of practitioners and you have to self-list so we have to go on there and make sure that we're visible to people you know but it does ask you some questions you can put in there as a provider do you accept insurances and so there's some information in there those would be two of my suggestions. Mm-hmm. I mean, short of just calling every physical therapy place in town and asking for recommendations, mm-hmm. that probably is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but what What would you recommend? I've been digging a little bit just randomly in one of my like random what I Google when I'm bored. I've been just really interested in rural health lately because I had no idea that there's like no postpartum care. Like you go three 
300 miles down the road and nobody can find anyways. But it's just rural health in general is just crazy to me. So I'm starting to think that there's probably not like pelvic floor, pelvic PTs, you know, if there's no OB care and stuff. Anyways, um, what do you recommend for people who can't find somebody like you all? Are there exercises? Are there, I mean, I know you can't say, hey, go on YouTube, but like just keep calling, keep looking, like what? For someone in a rural area that might need physical therapy? Yeah, or just because we get it in the group a lot. We get a, hey, I can't find somebody in my area or they're all full or, you know, what do you guys recommend? Or the mom that's stuck at home who has PPD but is scared because she thinks she might have a prolapse. Like, how do we get to the point where, I mean, this is two problems. I mean, one of which is, yeah. you know, how do you expand the practice and how does the nation realize that, you know, we need to support our moms? And then also, you know, how do we get women feeling confident enough to go out and well, it would you know, be my, the world? It, one of my thoughts about that, that is not an immediate yeah, uh, plan, but, yeah. but it would be nice to see some folks who work in home health care mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. an interest in postpartum management because a lot of people have real struggles getting out immediately mm-hmm. and could get someone to come be to amazing. them. Um, but, but again, that probably mm-hmm. goes back to an insurance situation. Yeah. So there might be trouble with that. Uh, we need, you know, healthcare, healthcare facilities to have more remote so if our facility said, oh, there are people in, you know, rural areas that need care and we're going to do a, a, you know, remote day or something like that mm-hmm. where you, a travel day where we would go to people instead of people having to come to us or we set up a satellite somewhere a couple hours away and see patients, that kind of thing would be amazing. Mm-hmm. We don't have that right yeah, now. I know. It's, I, it is challenging. I think the question is, um, you know, if you're dealing with a real problem, one would hope there is a medical provider that Mm -hmm. can help deal with that problem. If you're talking about just like, how do I stay well during a pregnancy? And that is something that I think is easier to find information on like websites from Mm -hmm. the physical therapy association or from the like American college of obstetrics and gynecology. So Mm -hmm. those, those recommendations you can find online for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, does that help at all in your question? No, it, it does. It's just, it's so interesting. I think sometimes to hear, these women who are asking and asking in the group. I mean, I would say probably at least once a month we have somebody asking about what direction to go or how to find somebody or, you know, Hey, you know, did you find a, like, where did you find your, your PT or like something like that? Because there's people who will openly come to the group and say, Hey, I did this and I was Mm -hmm. scared and it worked really well. And there's just a whole bunch of conversations and there still seems to be so many gaps in care. And I mean, I think that that's to be said. Or, you know, I feel good. like the need and the ask is skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Also, during COVID, there were a lot more babies born. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of postpartum people right now, more than there were. Like it, percentage-wise, it's gone up a little bit. Uh, we're feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the schedules are full. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of patients that need help and need mm-hmm. something. And um, I think uh, it would be great to see more community groups and and educational mm-hmm. resources and mm-hmm. things like that. So people would know what is normal, what should I be worried about, how do I find people to help me. Yeah, that's something that needs a little bit more energy behind it probably. Yeah. And I think sometimes the demand really drives the the action. Mm-hmm. So if people continue to ask and say like, hey, I, you know, I need X, Y, or Z thing, or this is my problem, the demand drives people who are making like, you know, the bigger, header, 
head people of money stuff to say, hey, this is a problem. We need to do something about this. And so the more people ask, the more likely it is that there's greater access and more PTs and more OBGYNs have awareness um, kind of thing. So that's... Yeah. There just aren't... There aren't enough of us yeah. in general. <laughs> but um, I don't know that everybody in the Richmond area is maxed out for sure. There, are, We actually have quite a few pelvic health physical therapists in Richmond, but not all of them use insurance which is goes back to your previous question. So that can be a limitation. Yeah. It's not yeah. for everyone. And I, I didn't mean to say that that wasn't bad, that that was the OB's response. I was no. just saying that it's just, I really hope in conjunction with that, he also offered, or they also offered resources or something like that, that mm-hmm. it wasn't. Cause I think that the, I think it's changing, you know, I think that as more women ask for it, I think we're hopefully going towards insurance and having opportunities like that. So. Okay. Silly question, but kind of makes me think of like mm-hmm. what you were asking. <laughs> So my weird example, like with my husband, I remember he like came back from some appointment and the doctor's like telling him like, stop sitting on the toilet for so long. Just like stuff like that. So like pelvic. So my question is (laughs) immediate postpartum women. Hold on. (laughs) Immediate immediate postpartum women. Are there things that we do subconsciously that are not helping? Like, are there little changes that we could be making to just heal better in that kind of area? You know, I don't know. So maybe a a silly question, question. but like a simple walk or is it like, no, focus on rest or is it posture? Is it just trying to be more Mm -hmm. aware of those muscles? Are there some little things that we could do or some things, hey, if we could really stop doing this, like this would help kind of healing or so. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to give you a blanket (laughs) statement on that. Big question. Many answers. Right. Because you could you could divide that into like bladder stuff let's talk about bladder stuff and and bowel stuff you said earlier about emptying your bladder we need to make sure we're emptying our bladder when we go to the bathroom is that correct is that what you're saying um you mentioned that before yes so you're so when you empty a bladder your bladder it's not like totally like bone dry in there there's a constant drip that's coming from the kidneys and ureters mm-hmm. um and so if you were to like take a bladder scan and say like oh how my like oh my bladder has something in it it's not empty not really there's an expectation that some will be left in the bladder just for the record you shouldn't necessarily perceive that so you shouldn't what she's saying is you shouldn't sit and push right. to get out every last drop exactly some people you say should sit mm-hmm. and allow what wants to come out to come out but this is where individualized care is important mm-hmm. because there are people who think they're empty and then they go to get scanned or they find out gosh i really have like half a bladder still full and they don't mm-hmm. even necessarily know that and so mm-hmm. it can be really tricky to not know that so mm-hmm. if you feel like your bladder has changed like prenatal to postpartum and you go gosh i used to pee a lot more i still drink a lot but it's like i'm not having as much pee come out then you should start to question, like, mm-hmm. am I emptying really yeah. well? Or my urine stream is really weird. Yeah. It's really Starting, interrupting. Starting, stopping, yeah. or shooting off to the side. Is, I love that. Yep. Shooting off to the side. Oh, <laughs> it hits no me in the left leg every I mean, time. If you think about it, like, I mean, I could tell you, like, towards the end of pregnancy, my urine stream would always change. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably because of the pressure. And pressure, like right. That. Pressure but and it's muscle tension. if it doesn't go back to your normal, your normal. or whatever it I was. I think one you know? thing that I'm always... Um, telling and coaching people to try not to do is to squat to pee um because it just doesn't you just can't re- the in order to empty your bladder your you muscles hover. 
like hovering yeah. like or hovering about to hovering pee. over the toilet like hovering over the toilet like obviously from like the woods how we do like a, like a porter potty or a public place correct or sure whatever it's really hard to that's empty. what the bar is for you hold the bar hold and the you bar, hang, hang on the squatter do whatever you got to do Ugh. to be comfortable to sit down that commode yeah. because it's just really hard to do so you have to do a lot mm-hmm. of pushing to empty your bladder that way and that puts a ton of pressure downwards and it's just not helpful globally to the process so i feel oh. like i'm always telling people that's a great tip. The hovering thing, if I, yeah, so in the clinic, if somebody is like, yep, yeah, no, I'm not going to sit. I'm mm-hmm. just not going to sit. doesn't matter what <laughs> I say to that patient. They're like, they're they're about to leave, and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to sit. So <laughs> that, that does happen mm-hmm. for sure. And so this is where you go, let me meet that person where they're at. Mm-hmm. And so I'll do something like an EMG, which is losing like electrodes on their muscles um, and having it connect to a computer or an ultrasound and put it on their stomach and have them go into a squat and I'll say, show me relaxing your pelvic floor. And so you can actually see the muscles moving. I'll say, squeeze your muscles. All right. See a squeeze and then relax your muscles. I want to be able to see that they have control of that function because if they can show me that, then I say, okay, maybe you can do that. You can also kind of prop your body up a little bit better than being in like an exercise squat. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be in like a squat squat. You need to prop yourself up, but there are ways to help relax the muscles. And so if we can do that, we can maybe satisfy everybody. Mm-hmm. The physical therapist might be happy. Mm-hmm. The patient will yeah. be happy and you don't have to sit on a yucky toilet. Should we seat. all have a squatty potty at home? I'm, Actually, I mean... I am a, I love a squatty potty. I mean, we love a squatty potty too, but there are a couple patients who shouldn't. Who mm-hmm. shouldn't have a squatty potty. See, or don't it's need. all just very individual. yeah, individualized mm-hmm. care. But For you, the most you part, like a squatty potty. I would say 85% yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time. That's what yes. I bought everyone in my family for Christmas. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's really funny. We're we're a Japanese toilet seat family, not a squatty potty, but we are. Oh, heated. what does that mean? It's just the heated. It doesn't have anything to do with you guys. Oh. It's just the heated seats, butt cleaners, bidet thing. Okay, it's America amazing. really needs to get on the bidet thing. Yes, we really that's what do. It is. It's just basically like you know. One time bidets. I I sat. I was at a restaurant and I wasn't expecting to have a warm <laughs> toilet seat. Oh, so great. I was surprised. It wasn't good. Well, at a restaurant, that's well, kind of gross because you're like why is it warm why is it warm but it's really weird but it's really bad to raise six kids with bidets because then they go in public places and they're like i'm like yeah you have to learn how to wipe your butt dude like because they're also homeschooled so it's like they don't poop other places very often and then they're like looking for like the remote control and i'm like no america really father just really is into (laughs) hygiene in the in the behind area that is why we have these i love it um Anyways, that has nothing to do with another thing that people sometimes do. If we're talking about bladder, I'm just thinking about things that I am often coaching people sort of out of is to, you know, the like old saying is like, okay, everybody go to the bathroom right now and you're going to go to the bathroom, whether you have to or not, just go and try. Mm -hmm. It's called just in case um, peeing or preventative peeing. Um, We try and coach coax people out of doing that because what, that happens is that your bladder starts to be um, reactive to smaller and smaller amounts of volume. Like, so if your bladder, you typically have like strong urgency at, you know, 400 milliliters or whatever. Um, If you're doing a lot of just in case peeing, your bladder says, Oh, apparently I have to go at 150 milliliters of water. So then you can sort of work yourself over time into an urgency type issue. So try and minimize the just in cases. Let your bladder tell you. That's interesting. That's a good one. 
Anything else? I like literally just did that the other day. Well, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's we exceptions. Driving, I'm like, I'm not and, stopping in you know, another hour. Like when you have a bunch of kids. There's exceptions yeah. to the rule for sure. Yeah. So like long car trips or getting on an airplane or yeah. something like that. But for the most part, there are bathrooms all over the place. Yeah. And so going at the house before you go to Target 10 minutes away does not need to happen. Then you mm. have to make sure you know how it to makes hover sense. appropriately. I just didn't know you could condition oh, a bladder. I have really had no idea. Yeah, so no there's idea. a lot of behavioral no, no training. Idea. You can no you idea. can f- you can improve a lot of bladder and bowel issues. Similarly, bowel and bladder are very similar in that way with behavioral retraining, but you can also work yourself into a problem. And so it is it is somewhat easy to fix some of the time. If that's the only problem the person is presenting with, that's pretty easy to fix. But it is uh, sometimes more mindful than it is the actual physical component. And people also, one of the other ones I think that comes up a lot is people feel like when they drink, they immediately have to go. And they feel like that went right to the bladder. It doesn't go right to the bladder. So anatomically and how the body is set up, sometimes we're pulling out the anatomy book and saying, here's all the things that need to happen for that liquid Mm -hmm. to make it to your bladder. So that's a mind thing that's happening? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Because there's no way that you drink liquid and immediately have to pee. That is not the liquid in your bladder. But it's very difficult for me to reconvince someone sometimes. So I'm like, hang on, let me get the the book. Let me put the book out. Now I'm assuming that can go the other way. You can hold it and stretch out that bladder. Absolutely. That you can condition. So there's a a there's a thing out there that's like I'm a superhero. I don't have to pee for 12 hours. (laughs) Okay, that is does not make you a superhero. In fact, that might lead to catheterization. Mm -hmm. So we don't want that. So there's there's like a normal window. Um, Normal windows are usually going every like two to five hours and going about six or eight times during the day. That's where you want to work. You want to stay in those lanes. And so if you're kind of outside of that or you're very far outside of that, you know, you pee twice during the daytime when you're awake, that's very low on the number of pees. And either you're storing a whole, whole lot or you're not drinking really hardly anything. And so you don't have to go that much. So it, it, there's, a, there's ranges of what we would consider to be normal. Did you bring other show and tell stuff with you? We did. We brought some other things that are more uh, pelvic pain friendly things. Cool. Um, So this is a one type of a different uh, vaginal. I like the colors. Yeah, this is a good. It's really fun. Model. Yes. Show Um, and tell. Show and tell. Everybody gets a dilator. This is everybody gets a dilator. She wants to. I want to hold the big one. Okay. Actually, that's that's the pretty small one. I didn't bring the bigger set. Okay. Um, the just warm. You up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just easy. There's it a in. whole other set. Um, yeah, this is sizes one through four of this particular set. These are these are wow, the small. it has flowers on the bottom of it. Yeah, too. some okay, dilators for dummies. So. Yeah, Dil- dilators so basically- for dummies. Okay, <laughs> no problem. So Dude, dilators. No problem. All we this is we we love a dilator set. So there are, dilators would be used for a lot of different reasons, but one reason you can think, okay, my tissue in the vaginal canal is really like not super flexible so we hormones? need to Why maybe hormones okay. maybe trauma maybe okay. radiation radiation okay. maybe surgery like li- there's many 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 different reasons like body radiation even, someplace else or like they have like cervical vagina. cancer radiation okay so radiation to the actual tissue okay. also in, in sexual trauma we have mm-hmm. a lot of patients who have just a threat response. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. maybe the muscles aren't actually tight, but there's a perceived threat. And so putting mm-hmm. anything in there is very scary. And so mm-hmm. this becomes a tool for reducing threat. Mm-hmm. And so, so lots of things. Yeah. Lots of different reasons. So you would basically 
theoretically start with the really small one. You do some specific sort of massage techniques and that as it gets easier, you um, gradually okay. increase in size. Give me the little pink. Little so pink. For pride. example, you would take the dilator and you can show patients in the clinic on a model or you can teach them on their own body, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. um, and so you would use the dilator and you could like push or you can sweep around mm -hmm. and then you would advance that size, whatever size you're on. So this one mm -hmm. actually fits in the model, but it's bumping into the bladder. And then does it stay in so, there yeah. sometimes for a little while? Stays like then... that. Yep. So you would keep it in as long as you feel usually a stretch or if you're mm -hmm. feeling something. And so progressively you would It'll go up in size. It'll slide out or something if it's you... tight if it's too tight for the <laughs> size your body will usually the body yeah. will push it out so there is sometimes wow. the need to put a little bit of pressure mm -hmm. these have um, just a flat bottom so yeah. in theory you could actually put it in and, and like sit or something mm -hmm. like that if you wanted to mm -hmm. uh, most people don't do that but you could mm -hmm. there's a there's a variety of these dilators that are progressive sizes some of them have like a handle that twists on there's all kinds of different um, there's some that vibrate. There's yeah. a whole bunch of different tools out there. So it just depends on which exact one. These are the silicone. Of course, they're mm -hmm. like bendy. They're medical grade mm -hmm. silicone. That's and cool. they're sometimes pretty. a little bit too flexible, actually. Yeah. So if you're trying to stretch, sometimes it like as you push, it bends. And so you don't always want that. But yeah, you need a little but bit. But we work sometimes. with the patient to yeah. help them get the right tool. But yeah, this is a stretching tool and you very, very home exercise friendly. Mm -hmm. Speaking of home exercises and, and mm -hmm. tools, you know, so mm -hmm. that ends up being really helpful for someone who maybe can't attend therapy very much, but needs like periodic progression mm -hmm. and support. Really so helpful. help with intercourse and yep. Stuff like so that you too. yeah, if it's for intercourse, you sh or a, or like pelvic exam mm -hmm. is the goal, something like mm -hmm. that. You know, we're looking at sizes, tampon for insertion goals. Yeah, tampons. So um, look at the size, and we usually have to ask the person what's your partner or if you're using a mm -hmm. toy of some kind, you know, what is that size? And so we have to figure out what size the goal is. And then we make, then we write goals. Mm -hmm. I like you being goal. toy friendly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is another fabulous tool. Wow. This is called a pelvic floor wand. Um, and so this is similar in some ways to the dilator in that it's a stretching tool but it is curved for a reason to sort of reach areas that you cannot reach with a dilator. Which I will show you. Which my lovely assistant, Megan, <laughs> will demonstrate. That was the bladder oh, and uterus. I just, took, I just took the organs out. No big deal. The bits. Okay. I just did All some right. surgery real quick. Snip, <laughs> <Yes. All right. laughs> snap. <laughs> Qualified on a model. No, no problem. Uh, this will probably not fit. This will not fit with the with all of these muscles. But normally, muscles will be stretchy, and this would mm -hmm. fit. Um, but you can use either, actually, either end of this. So this is a little skinnier, of course. So they make this one that it could be rectally inserted for the skinnier if you wanted to or needed to vaginally for this side or you can use this side wherever so it has like almost a handle so you would insert and then if i turn it around you can see how it can turn wouldn't you run into the cervix at some point no um well you got to go Sorry. pretty straight s and deep okay so right. when we put I something in maybe yeah, i don't that's know good, the anatomy mm -hmm. of the human body no, no, a good fine. question Great actually because <laughs> those dilators if you okay. have like radiation for mm -hmm. example if you had radiation or you have what's called like a short mm -hmm. pelvic floor that means yeah. that things have kind of got shriveled or shrunken or shorter mm -hmm. and so when you go straight in you will mm -hmm. bump mine's into. like a ca like a huge cave in there <laughs> i mean i've had i've had six kids and my babies i i also i 
I, I, I also don't, I don't have to push babies out. They just come out. So I'm just trying to think. They do. They all, they all, they've fallen out. They've fallen out since day one. So it wasn't really the kids. But anyways, everything's fine. I just am trying. Okay. So that goes to the left and to the right. So this that... can, this can rotate to different areas. Okay. So you can go like over to the side and then you twist the handle and go the other side. So if we're treating muscles in the clinic and we say. Are you touching them so people know how yeah, to so activate Yeah. So yeah. I would have my hand I like here. That. And I would say, okay, this right side, it's really, you know, tender and tight in this one Mm -hmm. area. That's where I want you to work. I'll give them a piece of paper. I'll highlight the muscle I want them to work Mm -hmm. on and send them home. Okay. With With the wand so they can touch it themselves. Yeah, yeah. So they they can can treat it. And then it's like... What, how, how hard do I press? How long do I hold, et cetera? So you can push on a muscle. You can strum on a muscle. So it helps. That's really cool. It's like your, your therapist coming home with you, mm-hmm. sort of, kind of, yeah, as close as we can get to that. And mm-hmm. so that really depends on the patient's ability, understanding, desire to do all those things. But it's a very handy tool. Mm-hmm. And these really have become neat. really popular in the last several years. And there's a bunch of them. This is like your standard number one wand. And then there's a vibration version which has a little handle with vibrations on it there's one that's a hot cold Mm -hmm. so you can make it warmer or cooler which actually helps a great deal with pelvic floor Mm -hmm. um is there another one another new one um and there's other brands of course this is just one brand the i think the part about like dilators and wands that is really fabulous is you know when talking about like rural care Mm -hmm. and people it's a long way is that sort of once you learn how to use these things and you get a good plan going a person can be very independent with this especially Mm -hmm. if they vibrate too i mean (laughs) i mean maybe a little too independent we can take independency (laughs) more than one way at that point right right number one justify therapy number two have fun Uh, therapeutic activity versus sexual activity Uh, i'm just saying i mean (laughs) you're not wrong i'm not Um, it's great that they vibrate actually I mean, it's, it's all fun and games sometimes, but know, at the I'm same sorry. time, well, just, <laughs> at the same time, there are patients who come in and they, um, they are kind of concerned about how silly it might be, or mm-hmm. if it's going to be a little bit too sexualized. And mm-hmm. we're not trying to talk about sex and mm-hmm. make it sexy if a person doesn't want that. Absolutely. So I think it's yep. like, again, let me say the same thing I said earlier, meet the patient where they're at. Yep. If yeah. that person is like, I don't want like a pink wand mm-hmm. that feels yeah. weird to me. I don't want mm-hmm. it to feel sexual. This is my therapy. We have to work with that. So yeah. I think I, there's like two sides of that. I do love sure. the idea that we're teaching women about their bodies though. And we're exploring down there. Well, but yeah. Just and me. going to that, I think sometimes an appointment can be a little scary. A little, and and so you can't relax. And if they're asking you, hey, where are you feeling? Or do you feel where I'm, and they're just like, you know, so that allows them to go home and take some time. Okay, I'm trying to feel this muscle versus this muscle. Is it Steel Magnolias? What is the one where they like first introduced the mirror and looking at your own vagina? Remember (laughs) that? Do you guys have any idea what movie that was? Anyways, maybe Fried Green Tomatoes. I don't know. but But it's great. I can't tell you how many times that like I'll have a patient be first day, second day, third day. And oh, yeah. we are, get out the model. you get out the model, but they are like not, in. they lean in, but also sometimes they're just like not ready for mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes yeah. by just like bringing them out and showing mm-hmm. people like, Hey, this is exist. 
this is i want you to go online and do some research about this and just see what you think and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it again i do that all the time it's amazing because it like normalizes it like you're like here look these are these and we have them in our office and look how well designed they are and they have flowers on them and like it's just so cool because it normalizes it that i was gonna say is a whole nother conversation because i think depending on how you're raised yes sometimes this you have to read the room on that so if that's so a whole nother well, conversation, I mean, but about, it should be normalized because yeah. they're just tools. They're well, tools we, to yeah. improve your health. That and yeah. we agree, but not everybody does. I think even the dilators, like this large, mm-hmm. this sometimes you don't take this out and show this to everyone. Yeah. Some patients mm-hmm. you can tell you get the vibe. And so you don't even, even mm-hmm. if you know that's what you think they need, they're not ready to talk about Ooh. that. And so you do have to be cautious mm-hmm. sometimes, but that's a, that's an individual. Yeah. I mean, we room. were just talking, yeah. I mean, when you went, to yeah. physical therapy and you told me you went to the gym i mean how many years ago so i mean people don't yeah and, people don't say yeah, i went so, to pt for my pelvic floor they're like oh i just went uh an appointment but think about how Hold much on. we've grown yeah. you know and and you don't have to, you don't have to grow in it but like we can talk about it and we can joke around about it yeah just because no, of, now we'd probably like end up going together and walk out together and like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but like we understand that this isn't normal yeah. but at the same yeah. time like it is normal for some people but it's just bringing attention to it yeah. that you yeah. know it's there's a wide range of of who walks in the door and what they already know when mm-hmm. they when they come in some people have no idea that this existed as a profession and other people are like i'm here and they'll be disappointed if you don't do a pelvic exam the first day because that's why they're there they want to know what's going on figure it out it's awesome you know, so so we really do have quite a variety yeah, yeah. um so i think it's refreshing either way it's kind of keeps awesome, you on your yeah. toes you know mm-hmm. yeah. every day is a little different i always end these podcasts with just like thanking you guys for doing what you're doing yeah. and showing up i know you hold on to probably a lot of birth stories and postpartum care and all of that stuff that isn't always about muscles but just you know meeting women where they're at and yes loving and caring so yes. thank you it's for a doing pleasure to do. treat the patients and and care for them and that mm-hmm. they trust us enough Mm -hmm. to come and work with us totally it's a privilege to be part of people's lives in any way you guys are doing good good work so thank you thank you so much for having us again yeah thanks. thanks guys